<laughs> we're just, we parked on the side of the road, but we're having a few crisps before we embark on our ski tour. As everyone knows, skiing involves 50% finding where you're actually going to ski, 10% snacking, and the rest might be skiing, but also a lot of just like chilling in the sun. Maybe beer. Yeah. I can't have a beer though because I'm driving, but later. Welcome to Normal for Norway. I'm Indigo. And I'm Seamus. This is the podcast where each week we dissect one weird thing about Norway. So sit back, relax, put on your skis, and stop sweating! (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! Nice. Cheers. Skull. Skull. Seamus. Yes. If the bank made a mistake and put $1.2 million in your account on what accident, what would you do? Why you do? Yeah. Um, yes, this was in the news this week. I don't know if it happened. I don't think it happened this week. It happened a while ago and it was coming to trial. Yeah. But a woman... Woke up one morning, checked her bank account, and there was $1.2 million in there. And in fairness to her, she immediately bought a house and a car. Yeah. Like a $70,000 car. Yeah. And I respect that. I don't think that I would be able to, like, react that fast. (laughs) (laughs) How do you buy a house that fast? Anyway, and then I was just, like, me and Indigo were talking recently about, about it, and I was saying, like, how what is the best thing to do in that situation? Because obviously she got caught and had to give the money back and is now in jail. Yeah. Which feels like such a waste. So I was just like, if this ever happens to me, I need to hatch my plan now so that I can hit the ground running. (laughs) (laughs) I wake up one morning. Okay. (laughs) The million is there. Now, what do I do? So, okay. I mean, I can go first with my plan because my plan is pretty straightforward, I think. Um, Because you asked me this and I said that I would just bide my time, wouldn't wouldn't react, wouldn't do anything, go about my normal life, and then like a, if a year passed and they didn't react, then I would use the money. So that was my plan because I'm like, okay, either the bank realizes and then they're like, oh, we made a mistake, you have all this money in your account, we're gonna take it back, but you didn't do anything yeah. wrong. Or they don't realize and then I can act on it. But yeah, the thing is that yeah. I feel like she almost acted too fast because that's why she got arrested. Is that why she got caught though? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Cross-country skiing. Nordic yeah. skiing. Yeah. Long ren. Mm. That wasn't a very good Norwegian accent. Oh, no, I thought that was really good. I thought it was a bit Swedish. Oh, yeah, that's true. So Long ren. Long ren. That's, that's Norwegian. <laughs> Long ren. <laughs> yeah. Very bra. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're going to go through a few things here, but maybe, first of all, we could just start with, like, our relationship to cross-country skiing. Yeah. We both now love cross-country skiing, and yes. you're going to hear that in some of, we took some clips from the field. Yes, we did field work this week. All for you guys. Um... But I have to be honest, I remember I did not like it when I first started. Yeah. Because I was so used to downhill skiing that I think I was just like, okay, sorry, this is so much work. 
for nothing. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I was like, I'm sweaty. I'm hot. It's like hiking, but harder somehow. Like, these are just all the thoughts that went through yeah, my yeah. head. Um, but now I, now I love it. And I think I love it because it's really accessible here. You don't need a lot of money. Like, cheap skis. Like, I have pretty cheap skis. And I think I spent, like, I don't know. I want to say, like, $150 yeah. total. Like, for skis, poles, and boots. And, I mean, obviously you can spend way, way, way more. But that's pretty accessible for skiing. Um, yeah. And being in the woods, like, it's free. It's really easy to get to the woods in Norway. Yeah, I think, um, well, the first time I tried it was in Switzerland with Alex's, my boyfriend's family. Um, but yeah, first time I did it was in Switzerland. I did not like it. I, <laughs> I like, you're, or maybe we should like give a bit of an introduction as to what it actually is first as well. It's like, yeah. Okay, so what is cross-country skiing? It is, you have long skinny skis that are not like uh downhill skis they're quite light they're very light your your boot is more like a normal shoe that you almost wear on your foot and your heel is able to lift off up off the ski yeah so only your toe is connected yeah and like you can walk if you take your skis off your long run boots you can walk around it's not like you know walking in like downhill ski boots is like such a pain um and then you're not moving around like the way with uh, downhill, you obviously need to basically take a lift up and then come down with gravity. With long run, you are self-propelling. Mm. Most of the time, like you're climbing up hills, say, and then you're coming down the hill or where you could just be going on a completely fat, flat track. Yeah, a lot of people right? like to just do flat, honestly. Yeah, I have some friends that yeah, don't really like doing downhill at all because they're, they're scaredy cats. But basically, yeah, and then the track is like... Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> Asking for a friend. No, the tr well, yeah, actually kind of talking for myself. But um, no, I can do a bit of No, a you're bit really of good hill. now. You're really yeah. good, yeah. So the track then is like a wide, like basically a road made of snow. And then there's two like small tracks that your skis slot into and you just slide along with that. Yeah. And you're basically pushing one ski down and then it's making contact with the snow and it gets friction and then you push off that and then you slide and then you, with the other one and then you push down onto the other one. So like right pushes down, then left slides, then left pushes down, then right slides and so on and so on. Um, Very well described. Yeah. And so the first time I tried it was in Switzerland and we got into the tracks or whatever. And I was like, great, this is easy. I'm pushing, I'm sliding, I'm going along. But then no one explained to me that like how to stop or slow down. Right. So like we're going along these tracks and we're like climbing, 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 because you can actually <laughs> climb in the tracks a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You don't slip backwards because your skis like have some friction on the bottom of them. So we're climbing, climbing, climbing. Then we come around the corner and I'm in the track. And so I start like picking up speed as I'm <laughs> coming down. And I'm like, wait, how do I slow down? Because of course, like you used to be able to like turn in normal skis or do like snow plow. I now know you can take one leg out and start to snow plow with the one leg while the right leg say is in the track. But I didn't know that at the time. So I just continued speeding up and speeding up and speeding up until the point that I was like, if I speed up anymore, when I fall, I'm going to die. So I just need to like hurl myself on the ground <laughs> now and risk mild injury before I actually like break my neck. And there is a clip of this on Instagram and Alex's family are 
watching me and cheering and then they all crack up laughing <laughs> when I actually fall over which we will add in oh yeah yeah that's rough cue clip well done I went cross-country skiing a few times with my mom because she had learned in Norway and she really likes it. Um, but I think I was always very, like, as a child, I didn't think it was fun because I was like, mm. wait, but I'm really good at downhill, so, like, why would I work while I'm skiing? But but now I have come to appreciate Yeah, and the thing is, like, I was thinking about this. It's like, I feel Irish people, obviously, we don't have any ski slopes in Ireland. Mm. And it's not, there's not a big tradition of skiing in Ireland. Like, my our parents' generation wouldn't have really skied that much unless you were, like, maybe super fancy and rich. Um, but probably only in the 90s did like Irish people really start to have enough money and stuff to go skiing. So it's not a huge part of our like heritage, our culture, our tradition. Mm. Um, but now it is and like a lot of people will go skiing. But it's like actually alpine skiing is so inaccessible in comparison to cross country. Yeah. So I'm almost thinking like I can imagine it becoming more and more popular now for people to go on holidays for cross country. Because it's like it's an amazing experience. You're skiing through these gorgeous like snowy landscapes but without the like stress of am i gonna break my leg you know yeah true or am i gonna die i mean that can happen i'm pretty I... sure i saw a dead body at a ski resort once what mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah like un lying under like a, a body blanket and just his like uh, boots were poking up and there was an ambulance there oh my god i mean yeah skiing is dangerous and that's why you should always wear a helmet uh, when you're downhill skiing. But not cross-country. But not cross-country. You then your head you can be free. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to quickly give you a little bit of history of, oh, yeah. um, of skiing, of cross-country skiing yeah. specifically. Um, because, you know, obviously downhill skiing, not so much a thing 5,000 years ago when they didn't have ski lifts. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Lame. I know. Um, and then also like... I just have to be honest, I didn't do a ton of research. Seamus knows that I did this research like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but in my defense, this is not my job. So <laughs> when we have a Patreon and you people start paying us, I'll do yeah. actual and research. And by the way, not one person donated through the link in our Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> and we have noted that. Duly noted. Um, so the word ski comes from the old Norse word and I'm going to mispronounce this, I'm sure. And no one's going to know except Sigurd, my husband. Skid, which means cleft wood or stick of wood. Oh. Um, apparently. Is skid related to that, I wonder? That's what I was wondering. Didn't have time to research it. Don't know. Skid marks. Y yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the earliest trace of a skid mark was found. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and also shout out to the International Skiing History Association website where I got a lot of this information. Mm. Um, what's also interesting is that there are a lot of Sami words related to skiing. And the Sami are uh, indigenous people, not just in Norway, but also Finland, Sweden, Russia. and Russia. And yeah, and Norway. Um, and their own words for skiing are, um, well, there are also dial different dialects as well. But one example is uh, Sabek and uh, Sabega. So the word for ski would be Sabek and yeah. skis are Sabega. And then uh, also 
Kuogat. But did we adopt those into English at all? No, I don't think so at all. And it says that these words could date back as far as 10,000 years. What the hell? Did you know, by the way, that my birthday is the national day of the Sami people? Oh, that's so cool. Folk, it's some, some folk, it's dog. Yeah. 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 And when I first arrived in Norway, I was having lunch with some Norwegians and I was saying to them like, oh, by the way, did you know today? They were like, happy birthday. And I was like, thank you. And I was like, oh, and also it's, you know, it's the national Sami people's day. And it is actually like a national holiday in Norway. They don't get the day off, but like on the news, there'll be like stuff about Sami people and it's in your like Google calendar. And my colleague was like, oh, I don't, what is that? Like my Norwegian colleague. And I was like, like, you know, like the Sami people and Anyway, then we just sort of, someone changed the topic or something, I didn't think about it. And then like a few days later, that same person came to me and was like, by the way, when I went home that evening, my girlfriend told me that it was the national like Sami folk people's day. Obviously he was probably then speaking Norwegian. And then I realized what you had said because I thought you said it was the national salmon people's <laughs> day. I was like, no, no, that's 15th of March. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh. But he'd obviously been, yeah. He probably mulling that over. <laughs> yeah, he was probably just puzzling over that for ages. Um, so the world's oldest skis, because this is what I was curious about. I was like, where was where do we have the first actual evidence of skiing? Yeah. Right. The world's oldest skis are from Russia. Oh my god! I know. And uh, this source says um, six thousand three hundred BC. I don't. No, because again, didn't do a lot of research, but uh, but several sites did say Russia. Okay. Um, and also, and this isn't one of the first, but like China was quite early as well. So it's interesting because it's like the Nordic countries and then Russia and China were on the skiing trend. Yeah. But China, I feel like a lot of times it's like when you hear about something, like we think that something was invented in Europe and then it's like, well, actually mm. the Chinese had it first. It's like... Yeah. You know, the Italians say it like that pasta came before noodles, but apparently noodles. I've heard that about pizza. Never bothered looking it up. <laughs> that the Chinese invented pizza. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, actually, this is shit. We're going <laughs> to stop eating it. And then a thousand years later, the Italians started eating it. God. Nobody quote me on that. Like, it's just something I heard from someone once and I never bothered to but look it up. But I feel like the Chinese were the, were they the first to start writing stuff down? Maybe as well. Wasn't that like the ancient Babylonians? Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe they invented paper. Cuneiform. There was something. They definitely invented paper. Cuneiform is the first written language, I think. Oh, okay. That was my middle school education suddenly coming wow, back to okay. me in a flash. Yeah, sorry. And um, I, I was trained as a historian, so I should feel bad. Um, Wait, not hieroglyphics? No, cuneiform was first. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so then 2,500... Uh, BCE, we've got uh, rock drawings that depict a man on skis holding a stick. And that was discovered in Norway. <laughs> what do you mean a stick? No. Oh my, don't As even it, No, me. I'm not saying that, but it's just like, was it one singular stick? I don't know. Wait, oh, I think there's a link here. But um, I'd love I feel like the reason this is interesting is because maybe the Norwegians invented the, the poles. Yeah, Right? Maybe. Here's a picture. It actually looks like two sticks to me. I don't know. Is that an arm? Oh. I mean... Yeah, it's kind of scary. 
It looks a bit like it could be something else. Yikes. If you get me. Uh, yes, we got it. Uh, also, also wait, it, that looked like it could be Dode 2 sticks. And that's like, what I was thinking as well. I think this photo is just a bit uh, blurry, though. Oh, uh, it. I think it's one I mean, stick. But you could ski with one I am, stick. I will admit, I am not blown away by the artistic prowess of this artist. It's it, carved into a rock. You try carving a picture into no, a rock. No, have but have you ever seen, like, the amazing, like, rock paintings that they have in in those caves in France. And yeah, those are that's incredible. true. This yeah. looks like a child drew it with a crayon. Oof, harsh. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> also, 4,000 BC rock carvings were discovered. Uh, also from, from this period in Norway. So Norway Wait, has... Wait, sorry, was the Stickman Norwegian? Yeah, yeah, the Stickman's Norwegian. The And then this other one, which is two... Almost, well, no, not 2,000, but uh, 1,500 years older was also discovered in Norway. So the point is Norway has a lot of pictograms showing yeah. this, right? And then China, it says the first documented reference to skiing in China is 200 BC. So not nearly as old, but there have also been ar artifacts in China that were discovered. But sorry, and the Russian ones, were those physical skis or it was a- Yeah, that was like fragments of skis, actual skis in Norway, uh, sorry, oh, in Russia. Okay. Yeah. So, I suppose the thing is we'll never know, right? Because we'll never could, know. They could have rotted. They could have just not mm -hmm. drawn the pick mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, and that's the thing is that the skis were made from wood, right? Which isn't preserved very well, Unless except for in yeah. things like a bog yeah. or, yeah. So it's a bit hard to say who invented it. And then just a few other things. Uh, and this is from Morten Lund and Seth Masia also on the International Skiing History Association website. Yeah. They say that skis were used uh, by Scandinavian farmers, hunters, and warriors throughout the Middle Ages, and by the 18th century, units of the Swedish army trained and competed on skis. So, according to them, skis were actually just a very functional, normal thing. It wasn't a leisure activity, obviously, at yeah, that yeah. point. But it was like... Yeah, people were. But sorry, using did them. the Native Americans have skis up in Canada and stuff, or they more had like s snowshoes, maybe, or did they? Yeah, uh, snowshoes. There was quite a bit of stuff about the history of snowshoes in conjunction with this, and there's a bit of a split in terms of the areas of the world that use snowshoes versus skis. Um, um, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, in terms of North America, uh, what they would use. Right. Final point: Did the British invent skiing? This was. What? I know. I know you would get mad about that. Um, that was a top question on Google when I looked up who invented skiing, which obviously not. Sorry. But. The delusion I know. going on. I know. And that's why we're We at... don't have any snow, but we somehow miraculously <laughs> invented skiing, even though the Russians invented it in 6000 BC. Right. But I wrote no in all caps. However, <laughs> however, apparently the British had quite a bit to do with downhill skiing. The invention of downhill yeah, skiing, which was actually that. like very recent. I think it was the 20s or something. Yeah. But I didn't bother researching that because that's not what we're talking about. So. No. Of course. I mean, yeah. Of course. Like the two types of skiing. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I know. So that's me. Cool. That's all I got. Well, and but like then how does it come up to the modern day? Like when did it become that a leisure activity in Scandinavia, for example? It was the 1840s or 50s, I think. And then that's when people started making skis more in an industrial capacity right. and kind of like selling them, distributing them. And then 
it became a sport like in the Olympics and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And then it just all progressed from there. Right. But pre, I think the date these guys gave was 1840 specifically. But they say that before that, it was more of like a tool, like a functional yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that farmers would use or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so basically someone invented it thousands of years ago and then people yeah. were just using it the whole time to just get yeah. around when it was snow. Yeah. And in fairness, Norway is completely covered in snow. Yeah. Like, because so I sense. moved here last winter and was only really in, in and around Oslo because I only came in February and that was kind of the end of the winter. And there was no snow last year. Right, it was like a weird... Yeah. Winter where there was like no snow. And I was kind of like, oh, these Norwegians, they're so like, <laughs> they think they're so snowy. There's no snow here. And then this year, I've never seen so much snow in my life. Like, you don't say. Honestly, this country, like up until like May, like lots of places are like under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. lots and lots of snow. Yeah. But also, so one of the more history of skiing mm. Kind of, but also, so one of the most popular modern day ski, cross country ski events is Birkebeiner. Mm. No, Birkebeinerenne, mm. which is like Birkebein, like race or whatever. And Birk is like an old word for birch and Bein is obviously leg. And what it was is like, there was this, like back in the 1100s or like kind of 11 to 1200s there was these group of people uh that were kind of like there was a lot of warring and factioning going on and it was it's known as like the civil war period in norway because uh they hadn't really landed on like one single king yet there was like all of these warring kings and a lot of like power sharing and like three kings all kind of hanging out and like ruling the country together <laughs> oh my god that sounds so fun polyamorous <laughs> <laughs> no like they'd be like brothers and stuff or like sometimes they would carve up different parts of norway of like okay you can have this part i'll have this part i'll have this part what part of norway would you want um if we were going to split norway between the two of us <laughs> <laughs> i would like everything southeast of bergen <laughs> And all of Oslo and Stavanger. And then what? you can have oh my... everything north of there. I mean, okay. So to be fair, I do love Tromsø. And I haven't mm. really been anywhere else in the north of Norway. So no shade to the north of Norway. But we're going to have to have a talk about that. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, well, we can talk a little bit about how they used to solve these kinds of disputes back in the day. And it was not pretty. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The Birke Baina, They were basically a faction of people. They were. It was actually their name came from an insult. Because it's like birch, birch leg. And mm. what people said was they were so poor that their shoes were made out of birch bark. So oh. they just like took a piece of birch bark and like used that as their shoe. And this was kind of like to try and like discount them. Mm. And then they were like, actually, we're reclaiming that. <laughs> and we're now going to own this like identity and call ourselves Birkebeinet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so the Birkebeinet were hanging around. They were kind of uh trying to like take over the country and there was like different kind of but like it, it was like this weird thing where like you always needed to have some kind of king as your leader and he needed to have a specific like bloodline it's not like you could just like elect anyone they hadn't like copped on to like democracy it was all very like bloodline related um and so if we rewind like from or like if we now look at like 11 i think it was like the 11 20s or something a guy shows up from Ireland <gasps> called Harold. Harold, right? Harold? 
Yeah, and so there's three kings chilling out in Norway, like ruling together. Then two of them die, and so there's only one left, a guy called Sigurd. (laughs) (laughs) Not your husband, the original Sigurd. And then Harold shows up from Ireland and is like, hey Sigurd, I'm actually your half-brother. Your dad was like marauding in Ireland and slept with my mom. What? And I'm now, I want to like rule with you. And then amazingly, so how they used to then settle this kind of thing back in the day, they didn't have paternity tests. (laughs) They didn't? They didn't have Maury. (laughs) So it was like, okay, well, how do we prove who your father actually is? And then they would do this thing called like an ordeal of fire. (gasps) Where basically like, if you were so sure that you yourself were this thing or that you had God on your side, because obviously God would like kind of, side with you Mm. if you were actually telling the truth they would do things like walk across hot coals or sometimes like they would be dunked into like water you know this is like the witch trial thing right yeah so like they would drag a witch along and then if she sank she was innocent she was innocent it's a lose-lose situation no but actually i was reading that apparently you oftentimes they would like attach you to a rope and you would then they would drag you up out of the water if you did sink which then makes me think like Guys, it's not that hard to sink. Like, why didn't everyone just sink? But, yeah, true. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, so Sigurd <laughs> then is like, he passes the test, the fire test. He, like, walks across some coals. His feet were, like, fine or something. Or, like, three days later, apparently what happened is, like, a priest would come, check the check the wounds three days later. If they had healed, then you would, like you would be like, okay, yes, you, whatever your claim that you were trying to prove is validated, here's your stamp. If they were still festering, then the priest would kill you. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. So um, I have the like specific um, quote here where it says, um, yeah, so, but it was more common for the wound to be bandaged and re-examined three days later by a priest who would pronounce that God had intervened to heal it or that it was merely festering in which case the suspect would be exiled or put to death. Oh. Maybe the priest didn't do it personally, but you you would end up die- dead or... Anyway, I mean, I guess also if your wounds were festering, you might die anyway. That's what I was thinking, actually. They didn't have antibiotics back in the day. Yeah. So, uh, Harold is now king in Norway. <laughs> He's literally just got on a boat, turned up in Norway and be like, sorry, did you guys not know? I'm actually the king in Norway. And then the king in Norway is like, yeah, okay, cool. So then they're now sharing uh, power, but on the agreement that Harold, when Sigurd, if Sigurd or his son is alive, who were the original kings and his heir, while they're alive, Harold will not try and be the king himself. Mm. Sigurd dies. Harold immediately goes back on his oath. And um, then him and Magnus like get in a big fight. That's like Sigurd's son. He then blocked... this is so confusing for me because my Sigurd husband Sigurd yeah. has a brother named Magnus. So I'm just like, wow. Really? Yeah. All of Sigurd and his siblings have like um, like ancient Viking names. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he captures his son, blinds him, castrates Whoa. him, throws him in a monastery. Right. Wow. Uh. I mean, gosh, that seems excessive. But sorry, then this is the ridiculous thing. So then Harold is now the king of Norway. He's happy out. He's basically has this son trapped in a monastery. He's blind. He has no balls. He's like, sweet. (laughs) What happens? 
another guy shows up and is like, I'm actually the king of Norway. I'm also your brother. And he's from Iceland. And <laughs> Harold is like, what? So then that guy murders Harold in his sleep, joins forces with Magnus that has no eyes or balls. <laughs> and they start ruling Norway together. Oh my God. But, and there's a but here. Magnus, sorry, Harold had sons. Oh. And those sons had a lot of followers. And so all of the followers of the original Harold were like, no, no, we're not just believing this person that showed up from Iceland claiming he's the son of yeah. the king of Norway because he didn't do an ordeal of fire. Mm. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. That's what happens when you don't have Oprah to intervene. Yeah. Anyway, so they're rooting, rooting, rooting. Fast forward. There's like a lot of fights going on. Fast forward like, I don't know, hundreds of years, or hundred of years or so. And now we have, these guys have basically set up the Birkebeinut. Oh, so, so they the followers are, of They're Harold. ultimately descended from this Irish guy that just, like, showed up. Oh, but they're okay. But they're now no longer, like, king. Yeah. They're kind of, like, been fucked over. Yeah. So then, um, and then they, they actually, though, they have come on a bit and they don't, only require like bloodlines and they've elected now a leader which is like King Svara oh. um, and they they're kind of King Svara was marauding around again and he spent the night at an inn with a woman in uh, Rina what? no Lillestrøm <laughs> wait sorry what? did Lillestrøm exist then? not Lillestrøm sorry Lillehammer <laughs> so anyway Basically, these people now, there's a big group of people. They want to be the kings of Norway. They need an heir. Mm. The heir, they've just found out, actually. This now guy, their heir is in Lillestrøm. <laughs> he's in Lillehammer. He's two years old. And he's in enemy, behind enemy lines. But So, so, so sorry, he got this woman pregnant, left. And yeah. then was like, oh shit, I need an heir. I had a baby. Well, actually, so she, she it was the mother that was claiming... She was like blabbing around being like, I actually am um, pregnant and I'm pregnant by Svara, who's head of the Birkebeiner. Okay. So my son is like an heir to what could be the future kings of Norway. But she's in like non-Birkebeiner territory. Mm. Some other guys own yeah. Lillehammer. Yeah. And so basically they're worried that the son is going to get killed because they're like, obviously like th- mm. the, the kind of factions or whatever want to kill this little son so then these two guys ski all the way 54 kilometers from Reana to Lillehammer or the other way around I can't remember which it was and fetch the child Mm. and they're like the best skiers ever and now this is like a big huge race and you have to carry a 3.5 kilo bag which represents the two-year-old child so they bring the child back and they ski on their cross-country skis over the mountains it's very treacherous apparently but they make it back to the thing and then that little baby ends up becoming like one of the most successful kings of Norway when Norway was at its like biggest kind of most expansive in terms of they had like colonies in like the Orkneys in parts of Scotland they were even like on the Isle of Man this was all counted as like part of Norway that what was, was his name? Um, I think it was Håkon let me have a look here. Um, wow, that's wild though. 
Yeah, and then I can you believe his great granddad or whatever was Irish. So yeah, Håkon the fourth of Norway. So he um, was uh, he was reigning king for forty six years, longer than any Norwegian king since Harald Fairhair, who was the king before the Irish Harald showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah and he kind of unified norway under like one banner of like fun um but also gave birth to this like um ski race um and also seemed to be just hilariously like sassy (laughs) and very funny i love it so as an example of the sass um so so when he learned at the age of eight that basically at the age of eight someone else was like oh yeah the king inga and his brother earl Hawkon the crazy literal <laughs> name from the sagas made an agreement basically being like okay this is who should succeed to the throne and they excluded um Hawkon, the little baby that went on the ski race um and Hawkon pointed out that the agreement was invalid due to his attorney not having been present <laughs> And they were like, wait, what? You have an attorney? You're an eight-year-old child? And he was like, yeah, my attorney is God and Saint Olaf. And then, yeah, so they, I don't know if they bought that or not, but he ended up being king, so it must have kind of worked. Wow. Yeah. Ugh, love it. And we have a Prince Hawkon right now, and he's pretty good. Yeah, so that's the background of this, of this race. Um, it's to to fetch this baby. But the weird thing is that I was thinking about is these two guys came to fetch the baby. But where's the mom? Oh, yeah. So that's what I was going to say. Is I was like, what about his poor mother? No, like, she didn't go with, like... Is there any information about her? Not no. Really. Well, no, that's no, so classic of, like, history, isn't it? It's like yeah. nothing about the women that are, like, kind of part of the story. It's just, like, all the focus on the men. I'm sure maybe if we could, if we dig, if we dug into it enough, we would be able to like find something about it. But I mean, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times, yeah, it's just kind of lost to history. Um, Yeah, we might have to give an update next time. We might have to write a fictional account of Hawkon's mom and like what happened to her. Fan fiction. Yeah. Historical novel. Anyway, sorry, that was a massive sidebar. No, that's fine. Um, but what do you wear when you're skiing? Uh, I wear not wool, but I, yeah, I definitely wear, I wear like usually silk long underwear on my top and then some kind of maybe like polar tech. I'm from Seattle. So polar tech layer. Right. Yeah. Cause then, and then I wear like windbreaker pants, trousers, like you wouldn't be wearing for like normal skiing. You would wear padded trousers. You would not wear those for cross country. No, because, because you're you, going to get too hot. Yeah, you're going to yeah, be sweating. It's so, it's so hot. Your ass would be sweating. I mean, I sweat so much anyway on my top layer. I think I need to figure out my layering vibes. I was so proud of myself on our last trip, which we took the audio clips on, that I did not sweat that much. I was so happy really? because I normally way, way overdress and I'm so yeah. bad at figuring out what to wear. And it was like one of the first times I haven't just been soaked in sweat. I felt like I was the perfect <laughs> temperature. I think I was soaked in sweat, to be honest. Yeah, I know, because I saw you afterward. Was I? Where was I sweating? 
And your back. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's always my back. I don't know what happens. I remember like literally me and Alex and Canute, like Alex, my boyfriend, Canute, good friend, were skiing up a hill like to um, like a cabin, like in the forest outside Oslo. And when we got to that cabin, like I was wearing this outer <laughs> layer that was like a thin, like, you know, it's like a windbreaker. But it was actually physically dripping. Like there was drips of moisture coming off it. And I was like, there's no way that's my sweat. Like I can't have sweat that much. Like that must be like condensation that's like coming. From... And Knut was just like, no, no. Like that is sweat. I was like, I don't know her. <laughs> Whose jacket is this anyway? <laughs> I was like, you created your own portable sweat lodge. But it didn't smell, you know. It smelled like flowers and roses. <laughs> That's what my sweat smells like. Sponsored champagne. by. Yeah. yeah. I sweat champagne. I don't know about you. Oh, oh my lord. But yeah. Um, that's what we wear. Or like, and then on the top, you just, basically, you're not wearing, you're kind of wearing like layer, thermal layers, but nothing bulky or not, and not normally like any padding. So even on the top, you just wear like a shell jacket because you want to keep like, Basically, you want to stop sweating, even though, of course, I still sweat buckets. But maybe that's because I'm not, like, very experienced with it yet. I don't know. Time will tell. Time will tell. But, yeah, how do Norwegians, like, how is how does Long Run now slot into Norwegian society? Well, when I told somebody that we were going to record this episode, they asked me if, if cross-country skiing was not normal outside of Norway. Yeah. And then that got me thinking, like, yeah, is it that abnormal? And I do kind of think it is quite unique in Norway because it's so common, but not necessarily that everyone does it. Yeah. Because I have a lot of friends that don't ski that often, but I think it's just so present. Totally. And I mean, there's even that saying, like, Norwegians are born with skis on their feet. Yeah, and they're yeah. not talking about downhill skis. They're talking about cross-country skis. Like, if you say you're going skiing, nobody's going to assume you're going downhill skiing. No, they're assuming no. you're talking about cross-country. Like... It's so accessible. It's like in the news when it's good ski weather, you know, the first day or the, you know, last weekend or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do think that that is quite special. Yeah. And I think like, I think, okay. So if you think about not to be super Eurocentric, but if we think about Europe, it's like Ireland and the UK don't have any of their, like Ireland, the UK, let's say like Belgium, Netherlands, uh, you know, all those places, they don't have any of their own ski opportunities, but they all, we all just go to the Alps to ski. No one would ever go to like, to like, or I've never heard of anyone going on like a cross country holiday. Right. And then obviously, then you have like the countries that actually have the Alps. They all obviously do downhill. If you're French, if you're Italian, if you're Spanish, you all go to like the, your like local ski resorts. So then it's only really Scandinavia that is super into cross country, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. Um, and I mean, also obviously reflected by the international competitions of like yeah. the Norwegians oh, and it's Swedes totally. and Finns. Well, yeah, I was looking this up. And so the, the like that Birkebeinerenne, uh, they like, so like this is like who won. is like, so basically if you look at the list of like the winners, it's like Norway, 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 Norway. And there's like some Sweden... And then in, in later years, it's been like, oh, there's a Canadian, there's one Italian. There's like a Czech. There's whatever. But yeah, in general, it's totally dominated by yeah. Swedes, 
Norwegian. No, stuff. for sure. And the Finn, the Finns do cross. Yeah, the Finns as well. I mean, if you see that as well with the Winter Olympics. Yeah. With these with these sports and stuff, but I think also one thing that people have talked to me quite a bit about is the class issue of skiing in Norway. Oh. I've heard a lot of Norwegians express quite a bit of concern that it's becoming very kind of upper class to ski. Mm. And I think that's probably because it, there's so much equipment and kind of like, it's almost that you can spend as much or as little on it as you want. Cause yeah. I, like I was saying before, I bought my skis a couple years ago. I was a student. They were, or yeah, more than a couple years ago, they were like $150, but for, for everything. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's, yeah, it's an expense, but it's not terrible. And yeah, yeah. downhill skiing is going to get, you're going to have to pay a lot more. Yeah, yeah. But as well, the the clothing and kind of getting out into the woods, you can spend very little, yeah, yeah. but you can also spend a lot. Like you can spend a lot on your clothes, a lot on your gear. You can go somewhere really expensive. You can, like, you can go to an area that's very expensive in Norway and stay there and go to a cabin. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have said to me, like, oh, I feel as though it's kind of becoming this upper class thing to do. Right. At the same time, I know that there are a lot of programs for kids in schools and things where they get introduced to skiing. They have ski days. They have ski weekends. And it's also kind of for kids that maybe their parents are not originally from Norway. So perhaps they're not going to be taken yeah. skiing. Like, the way that kind of kids whose parents did grow up in Norway yeah, might yeah. take them. So I think that they're actually... A surprising number of programs that are meant to indoctrinate yeah, <laughs> like yeah. young Norwegians. But it does seem that it is becoming more class divided. But the amazing thing about it though is that because obviously the thing with cross-country skiing is you can't you can, but it's not very common to just go skiing out in like a field full of snow. Like it needs to be prepared by these like tractor machines that create those tracks with like, you know, the flat area and then like the two things. But that's paid for by, like, taxes, right? I think, yeah, I think in a lot of areas, yeah, Because it is. we've never, like, we've been skiing so many different places and we never pay. I think in some places it's kind of paid by an organization in that area and you can donate. And I have done that sometimes. Okay. But, uh, but I think as well it's kind of this tourist thing of if you go somewhere that brings tourists, then... You know, you kind of are motivated. The the community is motivated yeah, to yeah. then prepare the tracks. Like when we were in Hempstall. Yeah, but that's so cool because like, where can you yeah. downhill ski for free? Right, exactly. Nowhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also, yeah, I think there... I wonder, yeah, if the state pays for some of it as well. Because there's so I many ski think, tracks around Oslo. I think they do. And like, there's basically there's like this amazing website called like Ski Sporta. And they have like everything, every single ski track like on there. It shows you like when did it get last mm. done uh like like it'll actually show you the little tractors that are like live going on there where the nearest clubs and pubs are because <laughs> <laughs> there are no clubs and pubs yeah. in Norway. <laughs> yeah but i mean um, i think that it is pretty accessible but but a huge amount of people go skiing in Norway, like every, because I, I was actually reading this article that was like, oh, we ski less than before. Um, but it was still like 50% of people in the last year or something had oh, gone, wow. had done a ski. That is in wild. Norway. That's wild. And that's every age group. And that's another thing about cross country skiing. I feel like downhill skiing, you, you kind of got an expiration date. Like 
you don't really mm. see that many like really old people cross country skiing. Like okay, sixty year olds, yes. Downhill skiing. Sorry, downhill. Yeah. Seventy, maybe. Maybe, not. but yeah. But like cross country, like mm. some of the people out there on the cross country track, I'm like, should you be here? Have you escaped from an old folks home? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's true. Yeah, it is actually, it's like... Just see an old person like skiing on a track and like chased by like a load of nurses on their skis. I mean, if you can walk, you can ski. You can mm. cross-country ski. Yeah, exactly. Right? Remember when we were out skiing recently, it was like everyone was, Indigo and I were just like amazed at like how tanned everyone was. So they must have been locals and now who'd just been like out skiing all winter and like the sun reflecting off yeah. their face and we're just like these white ghosts <laughs> skiing along. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but apparently people are skiing less than before. And maybe it's related to that thing of like it's becoming more expensive or it's perceived as being yeah. more expensive or like... Maybe. Maybe yeah. people feel they need to choose between like downhill and non-downhill. Mm. Um, but yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit about like the what it's like to go cross-country skiing because i feel like we've done it a few times together and i just feel like it's a very um it's very like meditative yeah that's the exact word i would use definitely and it's not like you know when you're when you're downhill skiing it's like oh my god there's so many people you got a queue for the lift you're like crushed into this gondola with like so many different people it's like so hectic generally when you're cross-country skiing you're just out there on your own and I feel like we've had some really nice conversations when we're out cross-country skiing of like, because you're kind of getting some endorphins, you feel like you're out in the nature. And then, I don't know, I feel like we've talked about like relationships, our jobs, our future, like, you know, because yeah. you feel like you're out there and you can kind of almost open up and it feels separate from normal life or something. Here's a clip from the field. We have skied how long? 5.7 kilometers. We're now sitting on a rock <laughs> with some beautiful lichens and we're feeling good. I feel like the endorphins are flowing. I feel fresh and the sun is shining. Yeah, and we can see like, how many kilometers away do you reckon that is? I think it's, what, the Hitta? No, no, like this, oh, the horizon. Yeah, I don't know. 50? We. We can see for like tens of kilometers in every direction. And it's just like pristine snow and ice and rocks and a dam. Mm. Yeah. And some telephone wires. <laughs> yeah, beautiful pi electricity pylons stretching into the distance and giving us a really nice sense of perspective. And it is so calming. It's like you, yeah, you feel really just happy and kind of at, at peace with nature. And I think that with downhill skiing, it's like you say, a bit hectic and kind of like you're, you want to go really fast and yeah, yeah. just like get as many runs in as you can. Whereas with cross country skiing, you're always in motion and you just kind of get into a rhythm. And the other nice thing about it is you can do it as really tough exercise if you want, but you yeah, can yeah. also go really pretty slow and just take it easy too. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of. It feels way, sometimes, you know, with like uh, downhill skiing, it feels so like a man-made environment. Or obviously, okay, you're skiing down a mountain, but it's like, but it's not possible to like get up to these peaks and stuff without these lifts. And and then as a result, then you have all these other people there. Whereas like, yeah, when you're cross-country skiing, it's more like you're going out into the unknown and you're kind of 
blazing a trail even though obviously a tractor has gone there (laughs) (laughs) but you don't have to i mean you can cross-country ski without being on prepared tracks and i have done that like in yeah yeah. i've done that and that's really nice i did that the uh, yeah i did actually that recently where we went skiing then loads of snow fell and then i went back on those tracks but Mm. it was just kind of really hard or like much harder yeah but but we had the wrong skis for it as well Yeah, yeah yeah anyway yeah should we wrap things up yeah. I asked people on our Instagram what they, one thing they love and hate about Norway, because we talked about that last time. Yes. And it will become a regular segment. And we had a few responses. Uh, Katarina said, things I love about Norway, this podcast and the hot guys. Things I hate <laughs> about Norway, the fact that Seamus moved there. Oh. So sweet. Anders said, love the changing seasons. Hate the changing seasons. <laughs> I feel like in fairness, the season has just changed today. Yeah, but also the seasons change like every hour. Yeah, but as in like, it it really did not feel like spring no, yeah, was here until today. Approximately today, which is crazy. Yeah. Like it's nearly May. Yeah, agreed. And then John says, I love 71 degrees nord norges tafistashenis which for people who don't speak norwegians means norwegian means um 71 degrees north norway's toughest Slabs. celebrity source yeah celebrities um which i guess is a tv show i haven't seen it yeah yeah he's so. obsessed <laughs> but then he says i hate that dplay has paywalled this year's series of 71 degrees nord norges tafistashenis um. so dplay what is dplay get on that i don't know it's some like a streaming service yeah okay uh all good answers thank you guys so much for your responses and if anybody else wants to share their thoughts please dm us or post a comment and maybe we'll share it next time yeah submit a link via our wikipedia (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we do actually have an instagram now normal for norway yeah so check it out and come cross-country skiing. If you're not in Norway, I would recommend a trip. And if you are in Norway, you're probably already cross-country skiing. Right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming down the hill now. Starting to see the valley. We can see the snow-capped mountains and then As it goes further down, we can see where the tree line starts. I can feel the wind blowing in my bald head. And Indigo is up ahead in her pink fuchsia tracksuit, looking stunning. Special thanks this week to Aiden for writing and performing our theme song. 